It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, I'm older and I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man, how you Oh, yeah, giving you the funky beat of Welcome Back, Cotter. That's not the Welcome Back, Cotter I remember. Obviously, this one picked out by the producer. Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, back in the chair. Yes, I've been gone a little while. Out of town for a few days. Now, Friday... Uh, I was in Cleveland, Mastodon's game against Cleveland State. And, of course, Thursday we were on a bus traveling, so unable to do the show on Thursday. So big thanks to Shannon Griffith for filling in. And, of course, Adam Lundy, our studio producer. He's here every day. Uh, He goes nowhere uh, other than right here in the studio. Very true. And so, uh, anyway, big thanks to Griff, and uh, glad to be back in the studio with Adam. And, of course, we've got a big show planned for you on this Monday. It's a big weekend of sports that we're recapping and kind of breaking down. Of course, uh, Super Bowl matchup is now set. You've got a lot of college basketball to talk about. Purdue Boilermakers, number one yet again, and this time it is unanimous. Nobody voting against the Boilermakers being the best team in the country right now. Indiana sneaks its way into the poll. And, uh, and of course, those two teams scheduled to meet coming up this Saturday. So we'll have a fun week here on the Sports Rush as we count down to that meeting. Also, on the way today, we've got Sam King from the Lafayette Journal and Courier to talk about those Purdue Boilermakers. Hour number two will uh, provide some equal time, I guess. For the Indiana Hoosiers, as Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, will join us. Can't have anybody accusing you of being a homer now, Brett. Uh, Oh, they'll still accuse me of being a homer. (laughs) I'll say something, and they'll try to call it out and say that that's obvious evidence that I am a homer. Um, And the funny thing is, I never know which team I'm the homer for. I... both fan bases apparently very sensitive if you talk at all about the other team, especially if you say something favorable about them, that you're an obvious homer. And, yeah, I've avoided Butler because, really, uh, there's nothing positive right now to say, really, about Butler. If you want me to talk about Butler, it's not going to be a pretty segment. So, um, But I don't know that I'm a, a homer for either IU or Purdue, because I'm really not connected with either university. Uh, And I've said this before, Adam, that if there's anybody I should probably have more of a a, uh, fandom for, it would be the Purdue Boilermakers. Because when I was in high school, one of my high school teammates was recruited by the Purdue Boilermakers. Of course, Eugene Parker went to Purdue, so I started watching Purdue when I was very young. 
um, Eugene Parker from Concordia, and then uh, then the Purdue Boilermakers, really the only major college program that recruited Ricky Hall out of Concordia, and he was primarily recruited as a defensive specialist. They just decided they had a spot where they uh, they were stressing defense, and they thought maybe uh, in situational uh, basketball he might be able to help. And he ended up going in and uh, becoming an all-Big Ten player, all-Big Ten defensive player of the year. And so uh, if there's anybody I should probably have a fandom for, it would be the Purdue Boilermakers. Although when I was like 10 or 11, 12, maybe 11 or 12 years old, I'm trying to think. It would have been uh, probably when I was 12, I did go to the Bob Knight basketball camp down at Indiana. And a good excuse for my my parents just to drop me off and leave me somewhere for a week. Oh yeah, that was like an all week camp. Wow. Yeah. With how with uh you know stay there at night and everything. Yeah, stayed in the dorms and uh, played basketball most every day, and uh, then my folks came back down, picked me up a few days later. So I I was an attendee of the Bob Knight basketball camp. Look how good that did me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, get your refund. <laughs> yeah, I know. I they should file for a refund. <laughs> Might be grandfathered. Uh, maybe there's a grandfather clause where I could still claim it. Um, 46862 is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Anything you've got on your mind today, let us know. 46862. Of course, yesterday, day full of football with the conference championships. And we now have a Super Bowl matchup. It will be the Philadelphia Eagles against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, don't be fooled by the conference championship scores. Kansas City just barely, with a late field goal, gets by Cincinnati. Philadelphia routes San Francisco. But don't be fooled. Don't don't be persuaded in placing your Super Bowl bets or your Super Bowl picks based on what you just saw with the conference matchups because that was almost not fair for San Francisco to have your number one quarterback, number two quarterback, both out of play, in the playoffs, Brock Purdy, your number three quarterback, was doing a really good job. And they were trying to, you know, run an offense where he could kind of manage things, not make mistakes, maybe make a play here or there and uh, ride uh, Christian McCaffrey and the running game. But the problem is Brock Purdy got hurt. And I'm hearing rumors that it may involve uh, having to have Tommy John surgery. And boy, that would be crushing to San Francisco, they would all of a sudden need a quarterback. I don't know. I, I I don't know what they would do next year if they lose Purdy, Garoppolo. I think they are working to move off of. Uh, it will be an interesting situation. But the point remains: Philadelphia beat up on a team. It's like a hockey team that all of a sudden didn't have a goaltender and had to suit up one of their defensemen in pads. And that hockey team ended up winning seven to one. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's just unfair when they don't have a quarterback. The defense ends up having to play extra snaps. It wears them down physically, and uh, you're playing on the road. It, and you know mentally too. I think it affected San Francisco because remember, with only about a minute and a half left, in fact, less than two minutes left in that first half, this was a seven seven game and very competitive. But then Brock Purdy gets knocked out of the game, and uh, Philadelphia gets that late turnover where uh, 
the backup to the backup to the backup to the backup uh, took his eye off the snap and the ball gets free. And then he doesn't outmuscle the Philadelphia Eagle for the football. It ends up going to Philadelphia in uh, practically the red zone, and they punch it in for another touchdown and go up by two scores. And uh, from that point, it was basically over. Philadelphia had no answer. They tried to put Purdy back in there, but it was obviously he couldn't throw the football. And then you had Christian McCaffrey uh, just, you know, it's okay if it's a 7-7 game and you're trying some things like that. But when you're down two and then three scores, it's game over. And so, yes, Philadelphia rolls, and Philadelphia is a good football team, but let's not get too hung up over the result of that one. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm I still kind of re- reeling for that uh, Bengals player who committed the uh, penalty. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that no, for we're sure. we're just focused on one game at a time. Um, so let's talk about what happened in Kansas City. Because, you know, a lot of the focus is on <clears throat> that late game situation. Yeah. But, um, you know, Cincinnati got themselves in a hole. They had to keep coming back from behind. And they eventually got things even with Kansas City. Uh, and then it goes down to the finish. But here's the thing. Number one, Kansas City executes a punt and they pin Cincinnati deep at about the six-yard line. Okay, that's a huge special teams play that a lot of people aren't talking about because now all of a sudden Cincinnati has a very long field, a lot of pressure on the quarterback when you're deep in your own end. They did convert and get a first down, uh, but then, uh, you know, a couple of silly penalties uh, against the Bengals. Next thing you know, Cincinnati's punting the football away. and uh, And I don't know. Everybody's talking about the officiating in this one, and I don't know if it was intentional grounding or not. I don't think they had to call it because it's not like he sailed it eight rows into the seats. It was an attempted throw over the middle where there was an outlet receiver. Now, he was about five or six yards downfield, and the ball didn't even get to the line of scrimmage, but... uh, uh, And that may be the point of why they called it intentional grounding, But to me, they weren't calling a lot anyway. Do you have to call that at that moment? It obviously put Cincinnati in a huge hole. And then the Bengals punted. And special teams didn't get the punt coverage. Yeah. And they allowed Sky Moore to have a huge return. And that uh, basically set up Patrick Mahomes where he only had to get one first down to give his kicker a chance. And you've got a uh, veteran kicker who drilled it and uh, game over. And, of course, in between that, you had the uh, Osai, Joseph Osai, who had the late hit. And if anybody thinks that's not a late hit, that's an obvious late hit, especially when it's on the quarterback. You're going to get that call every single time. And uh, and so it's it's not even a debate mm-hmm. that that's a late hit. Yeah. Both feet out of bounds even angling out of bounds. And it wasn't even, to me, it wasn't even necessarily the hit. It was he bumped him and then put out the right arm and gave him a shove. By the time he bumped him and then shoved him, he was already a good three yards wide of the boundary. So to me, it was an obvious penalty that had to be called. It's not the officials trying to decide the game. It was... 
a boneheaded play made at the absolute worst time. Yeah. And I tweeted that even uh, great athletes don't necessarily, uh, doesn't necessarily make them Rhodes scholars. That was just a dumb, undisciplined play. And uh, discipline goes a long way in determining wins and losses. And in this case, it put Kansas City into a position to uh, win the game with a field goal. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Uh, you know, probably one of the things that's being overlooked in that situation is Patrick Mahomes with the gimpy ankle, where he would look like he was limping all the time other than in the middle of a play. Yeah. He took off and won the sprint to the sideline to get the first down before he went out of bounds and before he was hit. Um Heck of a play. I mean, that's a gutsy play by Patrick Mahomes, but it's a gamer making a game-time play. And uh, and so uh, Kansas City does advance. And, um, you know, it's uh, it kind of reminds me, when you look at these two teams going to the Super Bowl, that Indianapolis is almost well-known for accepting good and never going for great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely, that's definitely been something said about the Colts. And so, you know, when you look at these two teams, they were never satisfied with good or long-term mediocrity, which is where Philadelphia found themselves after winning the Super Bowl. It was like, yeah, we could plug holes here and there, uh, but we've got to blow this up. We've got to basically rebuild from the head coach all the way through the organization. They changed quarterbacks. They got rid of Carson Wentz. They went with Jalen Hurts. They changed head coaches. Uh, they got Nick Sirianni to come in to replace Doug Peterson. And they made some gambles because they felt like the direction or the trending that uh, was going on in Philadelphia was – mediocrity at best. In other words, if we make small moves, we can patch this up. We can win enough games to draw good fan numbers. But are we going to win a Super Bowl? And uh, you got to give both these teams credit because Kansas City also made a very bold move when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They had a team that looked like they were on the cusp of possibly going for a championship. And they had Alex Smith at quarterback. And their scouting department and the personnel and Andy Reid decided we can take it one step further by drafting Patrick Mahomes. And they moved up. They got Patrick Mahomes. They took the big chance, replacing what was a top 15, if not top 10 quarterback at the time, and Alex Smith. This is prior to the terrible injury he suffered in Washington. And so both teams took bold moves to to get to this position where they can play for championships. And for Kansas City, third time now in four years, they're going to be going to the Super Bowl. And for Philadelphia, a return trip after winning a Super Bowl, bottoming out, and then building it back up. Meanwhile, other teams are cruising along at 9-7, and seven, uh, 9-8. and eight. You know, I mean, it's just like, okay, teams like the Colts, 
working along mediocrity, trying to develop young talent, and essentially what they're left with is a team that probably has a ceiling somewhere around 500. Meanwhile, you've got a ceiling in Philadelphia and Kansas City that could end up being a Lombardi trophy. And so, you know, maybe this is the model. You've got to bottom out to build it back up. Or you've got to take bold chances that mediocrity isn't acceptable. That we've got to make bold moves, and it might be high risk, high reward. We could tank by making this move to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. We could also upgrade our team and maybe make it a Super Bowl contender. And I didn't think Hertz was all that great yesterday. I thought he was good enough. He escapes trouble in the pocket. He does scramble. He gives you that extra element. Um, you know, the threat of him in the running game also makes their running backs better. If you watch a couple of the plays that Philadelphia ran against that San Francisco defense, it was just the read option of having Hertz possibly pulling the ball back from the belly of the running back and taking off on the run that froze a linebacker, which allowed Sanders to get around the uh, left edge and sprint to the end zone without being touched. That threat of the run has made Philadelphia's offense that much more explosive. So it's not like he has to run, but he has to hold linebackers. And if you can't run as a quarterback, everybody's going to react as soon as you go to hand it off. They're all going to react to the running back. And in this case, San Francisco didn't react to the running back. They actually reacted to Jalen Hurts, who ended up not having the football. That allowed the guy who did have the football, the running back, take it all the way to the house. And so, you know, he... But they took that bold chance, and so you give them a lot of credit. So San Francisco, or, uh, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. Yeah, it's San Francisco and Cincinnati, just like I told you it would be. <laughs> I think I got it right on my uh, on my bracket over there. Do I have the Chiefs taking on the Eagles in the Super Bowl? Wow, the bracket that you completed before. Yeah. The playoffs. Yes. And I gave you a hard time because I said, yeah, number two number one seeds, way to go out on a limb. And what do we have? <laughs> two you, number one seeds. There you go. Sometimes uh, going chalk helps. Yep, chalk helps. And so uh, the Kelsey Bowl is all set for Arizona, for Glendale, coming up in a couple of weeks. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Um, said I was on the road Friday. Mastodons struggling to string wins together. You know, they, they, it's, it's odd when you look at what they've done in the Horizon League. And most games are played as pairs on the weekends. Now, in this case, they had a Wednesday, Friday because they had IUPUI on Wednesday and then had Cleveland State on Friday. So they weren't like two weekend games, but it was their pair of games for the week. And, uh, so far this year, the Mastodons have never lost both games. But they have never won both games. In fact, in the Horizon League, in fact, not even the Horizon League, in the season, the Mastodons, through their first 23 games, have not lost back-to-back games. Now, over the last month, I think they've only won back-to-back games once. So, 
They got to string something together. They got to get hot. Now, they've been here before. Same situation. Last year, six and six, sitting here at the end of January after uh, getting crushed in a couple of road games against North Kentucky and Wright State. It's like, okay, this team's going to be in the middle of the pile and where are they going to have to go? And then all of a sudden, they got hot, ran off a, a stretch of wins that carried them all the way through February. Can they do that again? You look at the Horizon League standings and you've got. A whole group of teams with three losses. Then you've because Oakland got upset yesterday. Now that's not their third loss, but Oakland got upset yesterday at Robert Morris, kind of a shocker. And uh, and so you got a whole bunch of teams with three losses. You got Oakland with five losses. Then you got the Mastodons, Wright State, uh, Robert Morris, all sitting with six losses. So. Uh, certainly a chance to kind of shake things up here in the final month of the season for the Mastodons. But they lost at Cleveland State Friday night, 79-74. to uh, Got down by 14 points, 71-57 to with six and a half minutes left. Then went on a 15-4 to run, keyed by three pointers, and got it to within three with 3.04 left. And they even forced Cleveland State into missing a three-pointer with 41 seconds left, which meant a one-possession game. Dons could have the ball. Unfortunately, Cleveland State got the offensive rebound. Uh, and that was pretty much game over because then it was a foul situation where Cleveland State made their free throws and uh, ends up winning the game by final of 79-74. Mastodons will be in action in Detroit this week, so I again will be doing some traveling uh, again, Griff is going to be sitting in. I'll be going up to uh, the Motor City, and we'll be up there for uh, games against Detroit or against Oakland on Thursday and Detroit Mercy on Saturday before the Dons return home a week from Friday to take on the Youngstown State Penguins. And I've got to keep an eye on my email to see if the Horizon League has announced what game is going to be the nationally televised game by ESPN that night. Because that would be a good one. There's a lot of talent on that Youngstown State team. And the Mastodons, Youngstown State at Fort Wayne would be a fun one to have on for a national audience. And we'll see if uh, if that game is the one selected by ESPN to be the national uh, national game that week. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. we got to take a break. Uh, still coming up, Sam King is going to join us this hour. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Kaufman. And you're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons. Sam King, Lafayette, Journal and Courier joining us in about 10 minutes. Also, hour number two, we're going to have Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files to talk about the Miles Turner contract extension. Yes, the Pacers and Miles Turner pulled the trigger on an extension uh, so now he is signed for a couple of more years. We'll find out what that means. And does it mean he will stay a pacer? We'll talk to Scott Agnes about that coming up at about 535. Also, it's our Monday, which uh, means Don Fisher with our 15 minutes with Fish talking IU. Uh, I have to ask him about women's basketball, too. Boy, IU women's basketball has been terrific. Knocked off Ohio State. And how about the Boilers going on the road to Columbus, handing Ohio State their third straight loss this week. After the Buckeyes were undefeated, they've now had three straight losses, all in the Big Ten. Unbelievable bad week for Ohio State Buckeyes women's basketball. 
and Indiana among those that beat them this week. So uh, you had Iowa with Caitlin Clark going off in Columbus, and then you had Indiana at Assembly Hall before a record crowd, and then Purdue sneaks into Columbus and steals one away. I mean, great win for Katie Geralds and the uh, Purdue Boilermakers women's basketball team. But we'll talk to Don Fisher coming up at 520 on our 15 Minutes with Fish, uh, presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. In fact, speaking of Indiana, what a... Uh, uh, an emotional, enthusiastic crowd Saturday night. Indiana has not played a Saturday night home game in some time. They seem to always have those noon tip. I mean, come on. You've got to give the kids a chance to get a drink or two before. I'm sorry. Did I say that? You, uh, but you've got to have a chance to enjoy a, a cold beverage before the game starts. Noon, you're barely getting off your eggs and sausage, and uh, it's a tip-off, right? Shoot, college kids aren't even getting up until about 11 o'clock. So, uh, you know, these nine, these 8 o'clock starts works perfect. And, man, it was a raucous crowd. You know what gave me chills is when they posted Martha the Mop Lady singing uh, the Indiana, oh, Indiana. Uh, they've got someone from the Indiana Theater Department that that has uh, assumed the role of Martha the Mop Lady. You have no idea what I'm talking about right now, do you, Adam? No. You've never heard of Martha the Mop Lady? I have not. Back in the uh, 70s, I think, uh, the, the local TV station that covered Indiana regionally, they, uh, this was before you had regional cable networks. Uh, but the local TV station produced this piece with the lady cleaning the back halls of Assembly Hall, mopping the floors, and she starts singing the Indiana fight song, a cappella by herself. And she became known as Martha the Mop Lady. Became a legend around Indiana. Well, it, it's kind of floated around but not been front and center. All of a sudden, Indiana's kind of put a front and center. And they they had her do a live performance before the game Saturday night. And I think they're going to have her back doing it again as Purdue comes calling. Man, that's going to be some game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It's great when a rivalry game actually will live up to the hype. And I don't know what the final score will be, but you've at least got two teams both playing well, although I think Indiana loses tomorrow. They go to Maryland. I think that's going to be a challenge for the Hoosiers. But um, but I still, still think Saturday night the Environment Assembly Hall will be as good as it has been in some time. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Huge game against Ohio State. For uh, freshman Jalen Hood Shafino hit eight of twelve shots, six of nine threes, and that's so important. Indiana hit fifty percent of their threes. Did you hear that, Adam? Indiana hit fifty percent of their threes. We might want to actually cut that and save that because it might be the only time we can use it here on the Sports Rush. Indiana is hitting three-point shots, and now they're getting looks because Trace Jackson Davis has been so dominant around the basket. But it's great to actually have people that get looks and finish them and put them in the hole. And so uh, great night for Indiana. 
that uh, five straight wins. They've improved to six and four now in league play. They're 15 and six overall. And like I said, they've got Maryland tomorrow night, and then they've got um, Purdue coming up on Saturday. We've got to take a break. Sam King is going to talk some Boilers basketball when we come back. It's a sports rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy, our Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Questions, comments, or suggestions? Right now, we welcome to our Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline from the Lafayette Journal and Courier, Sam King. Boilermakers get a win over uh, Michigan State, 77-61. A little bit easier second time around, this one at Mackey Arena. And... Uh, you know, Sam, it, it's kind of the same story. Michigan State really has no answer for what Zach Eady brings. Yeah, that's uh, about as bluntly as you can put it. Now, last time, obviously, they had a player go off for 30 points, so that helps. But uh, weren't getting a lot of offense, and also we're not able to stop Zach Eady yesterday, which uh, obviously was very problematic and led to a, you know, probably a much easier day for Purdue fans who have seemingly had about 10 heart attacks this season and come away and all but one of those feeling pretty good about the, the outcome. When you look at uh, Purdue by the numbers, of course, they haven't needed a lot of outside shooting. Is there a way to take Zach Eady out of the game or is he just too big and he's going to get his? Well, I think that uh, when you look back, there, there are a couple teams that did pretty well. Um, Nebraska the first time around being one of those. Um, and Purdue adjusted to that well the second time playing Nebraska. But, um, yeah, you can definitely limit Zach Eady, but the trade-off is you're going to leave guys open on the perimeter. And at least over the last eight games, minus uh, the one against Maryland, where Purdue was, two of, I think, 2 of 13 from three-point range, uh, Purdue has been pretty good from the outside during this winning streak since the Rutgers loss. Uh, I think for the season up until that point, Purdue had shot about 30% from three, and in the last eight games, is shooting closer to 40% from the outside. And you're starting to see some players come around. David Jenkins has been a nice boost, and he's he's been hot from the outside here recently. Um, Mason Gillis has hit uh, some threes here in the last couple games. Uh, Brandon Newman is a guy that can and maybe hasn't uh, been very good from the outside recently, but um, also is a, a very capable shooter. And then they've really asked that Braden Smith step up and, and shoot more. Uh, he's very, uh, you know, pass first in his approach, but he's a, an excellent outside shooter. And I think you see when he takes outside shots, he's been pretty good at, at hitting threes. So um, there's a lot of weapons there. And then, uh, you know, obviously Fletcher Lawyer is uh, a guy that I think when he was in high school at Homestead, uh, the quote was uh, three-pointer is like a layup to him. And uh, he's about as clutch as they come, especially for being an 18-year-old freshman this year to, to hit uh, some shots and key moments in the final seconds of games. So I think if you want to take Zach Eady away, Purdue can still bury you from the outside. And then the X factor is Purdue just typically is, is so good on the defensive end that, um, you know, you're going to, if you don't score 70 points against them, you don't beat them. And uh, not a lot of teams are able to, to reach that plateau. So, um, you know, that's probably a, a couple major reasons why we're talking about a 21-1 team that's ranked first in the country right now. I don't know if you've ever talked to Matt Painter about this, but I know I've talked to other coaches about the freshman wall that sometimes you get into late January, into February, and 
you know, freshmen haven't played a season that's as long as the college season, nor have they played the kind of physicality with the travel, and that sometimes the legs just kind of go, and they have to get that second wind. Have you seen that at all, or have have has Matt Painter or or uh, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, have they ever talked about uh, trying to make sure to avoid that and how to avoid it? Uh, I think it's a, a definite thing, and uh, yeah, after the Rutgers game, that kind of was for those of us that are uh, covering the program. Uh, that was our questions: was uh, you know, have these guys kind of hit that stretch now, where you know this is a lot more grueling than a high school season, where typically you play Friday, Saturday, then the next Friday, Saturday, unless it's a a tournament that you're in, and uh, now you're playing, you know, especially early in the season, several times a week, uh, sometimes three games in four days or whatever it might be. And uh, there was concern. And then uh, Purdue goes to Ohio State, I think, on January 5th. And Fletcher Lawyer at halftime is something like 0 for 6 with four turnovers. And at that point, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, Fletcher Lawyer is having a, kind of the moment where you've got to get over that hurdle because it's just becoming such a grind. And um, he doesn't start the second half of that game. And then at the end of it, he hits the game-winning three. So, uh <laughs> You know, I don't know. I think Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are just guys that are built different. Um, you know, they've obviously had games where they, they struggled, but it hasn't been like, a, you know, a stretch of games or uh, anything like that. And the, the best thing about it, and this is kind of a comment that a lot of coaches have, have said about Fletcher over the course of the season, is um, he's never affected by it. Um, you know, they just kind of have the short-term um, memory loss, I guess, where you forget about the bad moment and go on to the next and, uh, these guys are, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I know Zach Eady is, is really carrying the team with what he's able to do, but those two are the reason that uh, probably more so than any other uh, factor that's not named Zach Eady, the reason why Purdue is sitting where it is right now. We know that the big one comes up Saturday, and those of us in the media and hosting talk shows can talk all we want about Indiana-Purdue coming up Saturday night. But, of course, <laughs> for the Boilermakers, they got another uh, – Test to worry about coming up midweek when they'll be hosting Penn State. How does Purdue avoid the dreaded trap game? Yeah, and I think um, I'm sure players are thinking about IU, and I'm sure the coaches to some degree have to scout IU in advance, but uh, what they will tell us is that we're not looking past Penn State, and that's the only game on the schedule right now. Um, you know, Penn State is a capable team and gave Purdue some problems when Purdue went out to Philadelphia to play uh, the Nittany Lions at the Palestra. I think Purdue was down six at halftime. So uh, the second half was a different story. It, you know, it was just kind of slipped from the first half. But um, it's definitely a team that, that causes some problems, mainly because uh, they like to play on the perimeter, which is a uh, contrast to uh, Purdue having Zach Eady sit under the basket and just tossing him the ball. And um, you kind of maybe force Eady to come out a little bit from the basket to have to guard. Um, so that's um, somewhat problematic uh, that you can look at. And also, Micah Shrewsbury uh, was a, an assistant twice under Matt Painter, so he knows everything that Purdue is doing and probably every way that Purdue is preparing for that team. And on top of that, he has Grady Eifert on his staff, who was a, a player for uh, the team there when, when Shrewsbury was in West Lafayette and under Matt Painter. So uh, Penn State is going to know everything there is to know and probably – everything that Matt Painter is thinking uh, along the way during the course of that game. Uh, and I think that Purdue's just going to have to come out and kind of um, impose its will at home and, and re- rely on the home crowd to be into it. And 
Um, you get away from that one, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout like yesterday was by any means. And then you can move on and talk about Saturday, which um, you know I do expect Purdue to beat Penn State, uh, especially at home. And then we've got uh, you know all kinds of storylines, and uh, especially with Indiana playing the way it is right now, a lot of eyeballs on a game between two top 25 teams. I got a tough one for you. At least it's tough for me. Let's see if it's tough for you. We know Purdue is definitively the best team right now in the Big Ten. Who is second? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a tough one. And I think there's uh, probably five or six teams that you can just throw in there and, and draw out of a hat. Um, I know Northwestern is sitting there second in the standings, but um, just if you're looking at the way teams are playing right now, um, I would say Indiana is probably the second-best team in terms of talent and uh, in terms of star power with what Trace Jackson Davis is doing. Um, I think if anybody is going to give anybody any reason to vote against Zach Eady for Big Ten Player of the Year, it's him. But, um, yeah, right now that's E's award, and I don't think that anybody's taking it from him. But um, that's, a, you know, that's a dangerous team that a lot of people thought before the year was you know, a top-five, top-ten team that was going to run away with the Big Ten. So uh, Indiana has a lot of pride and will have a lot to prove uh, in that game, especially at Assembly Hall Saturday. And um, yeah, I, I think you look at the Minnesota game recently, and IU did struggle, but IU found a way to win. So, uh, you know, you, I guess you could say that about five or six different games for Purdue. Um, I think that's going to be a huge matchup. And if Indiana does beat Purdue, then you start to look at it and say, oh, you know, if Purdue slides here, Indiana maybe has a chance to crawl back into this thing and steal a Big Ten title. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I'm going to say IU right now, but I'm not, I'm not saying that with a lot of certainty. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I'm with you. I look at it and I think, well, Northwestern's sitting there in second, but I'm not buying Northwestern as the second best, most talented team in the Big Ten. And uh, and then you've got Rutgers. Uh, it's still hard. It's hard to buy Rutgers, uh, even though there is some talent on that team. They also have some experienced guards. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't. I mean, I'm thinking Michigan State, despite the fact they're six and five, they've got those two losses to uh, Purdue. But Michigan State, who uh, Purdue's now beaten twice, might be the second best team in the Big Ten this year. I, I don't know. We'll find out a lot this week, and it will be fun too to watch that matchup with Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady, as you brought up. That's going to be one of the big storylines, and it seems kind of odd that in today's day and age. The Big Ten Player of the Year might get decided by two post players going head to head. Yeah, uh, and they're they're different. Um, and I think that Zach Eady does some things offensively that uh, are going to be a problem to guard for for Trace Jackson Davis. He's you know big and strong and uh, posts you up. And and Trace is a, a freak athlete that uh, you know that's the kind of guy in the post one on one you think can give Zach Eady fits because he can. Uh, get around you and just do some different things. Um, it's going to be interesting because I think that they're going to, you know, especially in this type of a game, that's going to be a highly regarded matchup. Uh, I could see those two kind of going back and forth with each other, and uh, if that's the case, the fans are going to be really into that. So yeah, uh, but- we'll be for sure. It absolutely will be a blast. Sam, appreciate you jumping on with us. Great stuff. Hope to talk to you again. And, of course, uh, be sure to check out Sam King at the Lafayette Journal and Courier covering uh, Purdue basketball. Appreciate it, Sam. Thank you very much, guys. Yep, that is uh, Sam King joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline.
that's a tough question. Right now, who's the second best team in the Big Ten? And yes, you could make a very good argument that the second best team right now is the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, you certainly could. I mean, there's, uh, what, five teams right now in the Big Ten with six wins. So, And then there's a bunch with five wins. Northwestern, so. Rutgers, IU, Illinois, Michigan State all have six wins. But now Northwestern's only lost three times. Then you've got Rutgers, IU, and Illinois all six and four. Michigan State, six and five, but they've played Purdue twice. Remember, Indiana has not played Purdue at all. So that's kind of a two-game swing right there. And then uh, you look at Iowa, Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan, all at 500. And really, out of the Big Ten, you've only got four teams below 500. And uh, two of them are Wisconsin and Ohio State. Yeah, and they could always get hot for no those. No gimmies. Yeah. With those two teams, uh, Wisconsin's four and six, and uh, Ohio State now just three and seven in Big Ten plays. Chris Holtman's seat getting warm in Columbus. I can't imagine, but what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Such a, a prevalent thing with college coaching and just the coaching profession in general that you just wonder how patient will they be. Um, they've got great freshmen. But um, uh, I, I I look at that list and I think is Purdue hurting itself by not being challenged enough during the regular season? Because you look at this Big Ten Conference, it's a down year. At least I look at it and say, this is not a powerhouse Big Ten Conference. It's got parity, but I don't know if it's got power. Even though somebody will say to me, oh, but the uh, net rankings has nine Big Ten teams currently sitting in the top 25 or whatever it is, top 50. And, yes, it does. But, I mean, does Northwestern scare you? I mean, Rutgers is a good team and much more dangerous when you play them at Rutgers. I was going to say, I'll tell you what, Rutgers scares me if I'm Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Illinois, um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's quite as strong a Big Ten conference. Uh, we talked to Don Fisher about Indiana basketball coming up in about 30 minutes. It's our 15 minutes with Fish, presented as always by Cruzy Automotive Service. Also on the way, Scott Agnes will jump on for the Fieldhouse Files. Over the weekend, Miles Turner, it was announced, has signed an extension. And apparently that became official today. Miles Turner reportedly was going to have some media availability. We'll talk to Scott to see if he had a chance to talk to Miles Turner today. Uh, but uh, Scott Agnes is going to join us coming up at about 535. Another hour to take you home on a Monday. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.